Well, good morning. Now, before we jump into the word today, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you to a few people. How many of you are planning to go on fall retreat? All right. How many of you are planning to do some event having to do with homecoming? (laughs) Hopefully that will increase. (laughs) How many of you are planning to do something with the presidential inauguration? Okay. And lastly, how many of you are excited about the HLC visit? (laughs) So, the last one is not as exciting for many of you, except for in the fact you may want to pray for it because that's the thing that keeps your degrees accredited. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, Be praying for the people who are working on those events because those take a lot of hard work. Those take a lot of time. And you don't always get thanked for the hard work and the time you put in. So since I'm not usually up here and get to do this, if you are working on any of those, I would like for you to stand and let us thank you as a community. Okay, now we're going to rotate to the word. (laughs) So today, what I want to talk to you about is letting our faith be greater than our fear. When we think about fear, many of us have different things come to mind, and it can be a wide range. Some of us are afraid of things like spiders or insects. I myself have been afraid of spiders. The only reason I learned not to be was because my wife was more afraid, and so then I had to get them. (laughs) But then there are other things that we're more afraid of, and these are the things that really we feel right in here in our hearts and in our gut. And if we're not careful, we can let our mind take over and have us act in ways where we shouldn't be. So one of the things that I want us to think about when it comes to fear is the Lord is different. Because the Lord has made us not to be fearful and the Lord himself has no fear and we're made in his image. And there's one other thing that the Lord, well, there's multiple things the Lord does. There's one I want to bring attention to that the Lord does and that the world doesn't do. And that's that he makes and keeps unconditional promises. This means there are certain things that the Lord has said he is going to give you simply by virtue of the fact that you are his child and he loves you. No one can take those things, and you can't earn them. They just are because he said so. Now, there is another part to that, though. Even though the Lord is making an unconditional promise, we often get confused along the way due to fear or our own idea of what we want to do. 
And we constantly have to ask ourselves this question. Am I choosing to trust him and walk according to his will? To trust him and walk according to his will. And so we might want to say, yes, of course I do. Um, But before we get to that, I want everybody in here to just close their eyes for a moment. I want you to go to your own space. Just think about the things that are important to you. And I want you to come up with what's the most important thing to you. Now, keeping your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I want you to check what's come up so far. So for some of us, we may have gone to, well, the Lord is most important in my life. And some of us may have gone to a family member. Some of us may have gone to an idea. You know, is it important for me to be safe? Is it important for me to be comfortable? Is it important for me to protect a loved one? Some of us might have taken a moment and we may have gone to an object. And that might sound odd at first until you think about the fact of, is there something that someone important to me who's no longer here has left me? How would I feel if that something was taken or stolen? What might I do to get it back? What might I do to protect it? And so today we're going to talk about a man who was faced with that same question. And he was faced with that question even though he was made an explicit unconditional promise by God. So I want you to keep in mind as we go through today, what's that thing or what are those things that are most important? And really, what would I give up for those? Now, one of the other reasons I wanted to start by thanking people and talking about hard work is because there's this idea in our society And it goes a little something like this. Sometimes we believe that God is leading us in a certain direction. But as we continue down that path, we become discouraged and uncertain because it's not working out as we expected. And when we get to that place where we can't see what's going on, or our faith no longer covers our fear, we find ourselves in trouble. Now, although it's not going to pertain to what's in the word today by example, let's take, for instance, being in school here at North Central. A number of you with whom I've spoken have said, you feel God has called you here for a purpose. If you are in that group, would you just raise your hand right quick? Just feel like God has called you here and you know you're supposed to be here. Okay, keep them up for a minute. Now, 
and I'm not saying this is going to happen in any way, shape, or form, would you still feel the same way if today you got a letter from financial aid saying something was wrong with your FAFSA and you are now responsible for all of your funding or you'll have to be dismissed? How many of you would still believe there's going to be a way that, oh, maybe I wasn't wrong? How many of you would be able not to try to go into panic mode and figure out how it's supposed to be fixed? Yeah, it's a little harder. Or let's say, for those who aren't worried about the financial aid part, we also know that there's legislation that affects some of our students, some of our community here. They don't fully understand. We don't fully understand what that's going to mean. Their actual status can be in question. That fear is real. This is not a pretend or perceived or hypothetical thing. How do we support those individuals? Do we? Or do we sigh and say, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that I know I'm good? So, let's go ahead and go to the Word, and I'm going to read the whole thing. It's going to be a little long, but I want to make sure we're all at the same place, we all have the same reference. And we're going to be coming from Genesis chapter 12, and this is going to be involving a story with Abram and his wife Sarai, and this is before their names change. So one of the things you need to bear with me is I may accidentally read the new name instead of the old, but no, it's not supposed to be there. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will shew thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sichem, and in the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram, and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. 
And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her, and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses, and men servants and maidservants, and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is it, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife, and all that he had. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Now, I don't know about you, but at first when I hear part of that, uh, I, I pause. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> at the beginning portion, we hear God gave Abram this great promise. He's going to take care of him. He's going to bless him. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of him. I could deal with that one. That's pretty good. And Abram does what, you know, we would hope one would do when they hear from the Lord. He gives thanks. He's thankful. He follows in his ways. And you can even see as he travels, he builds altars. He recognizes the Lord, tells him thank you. He has that relationship. Now, when we look at when he first gets this promise, did we hear what he had to do or what he had to give up? This man was 75 years old. And at 75, he was living with his family, doing pretty well, and he gets told, you know what? Leave it all. I've got another plan for you. Just pick up and go. But he had faith. He had faith in God's promise, so he picks up and goes. And he starts to travel to where he's supposed to go. He's along the path, taking those steps the way he's supposed to. 
until he becomes afraid. Now remember, Abram's, Abram's got a different case than a lot of us. Personally, he had God appear to him on more than one occasion. That in and of itself is special. Personally, I've never had any personal appearances from God in that manner. Even with that, when Abram became afraid because of something physical that was in front of him, he seemed to forget all of that. All of that. And yet, God did not forget him, even though Abram forgot what God had promised and what he told him to do. So in one sense, there's some reassurance in knowing that God still sees through for us just because he said so, even when we mess up. Now, for me, this is, this, this is pretty important because one of the things that we also find ourselves doing when we become fearful or when we start using our, our own minds is we start a plan and it might start something little and we might start veering away from the Lord. You know, we take that one step. And that one step we could have thought about for a minute and we wondered. But you know, the next time we're faced with the same thing, it doesn't take us as long looking back or think about it. It's easier for us to take a bigger step. And the next time, a bigger step. And pretty soon, we're just kind of walking like it's no big thing. Like, it's just fine. We're not doing anything wrong. And then you get to this point where you look and you see how far you've gone. And you say, I wonder if I can ever get back there. Or am I too far away? And this is one of the places where work comes in. Because usually, it is not just a free pass. This is not monopoly. It's not you just land on the space and get to go. We have to work to get back to that place, to be back in the will of God. And oftentimes, it means looking at our pride, being able to be humble, but overcoming the fear that we had in the first place that had us walk in the opposite direction. And so there's a couple of things about fear that I want to make sure that we all understand, of which we're all aware, so that when these things come up for us, or when these things come up for those around us, we're able to help them choose to trust God and walk back in that direction. So the first are the things to be kind of warning signs or things to, to watch out for. The first is, if you notice that what you're focusing on goes from God 
to the circumstances around you, that's a good indication that you need to take a time out. Not only because if we start focusing on our circumstances, our minds are starting to focus there and meditate, but when we're taking that time to focus on circumstance, if we use it to focus on circumstance instead of use it as a catalyst to look at circumstance and then reach for God, we're in the wrong place. And we can be on that path of taking those first steps and walking away. The second is to take a look at how you're making your decisions. So am I starting to reason everything out? Am I starting to talk to a lot of people, get their perspective on it, and when they say, wait, did you pray? Wait, did you pray? You go, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that, and never do. Do you start looking to your friends, to your family, to the law, to help figure things out or fix them for you, instead of remembering to look to your heavenly Father? And then this is the third thing and the, the biggest sign is that when we become fearful, we forget God that is our provider and our protector. There is nothing and no one else that can protect us as he can. One of the biggest things that's hard to do, especially when fear comes in, is to remember faith. Because faith asks you to focus or believe in those things which are unseen. And we and the world do not teach that. Do not teach it. So it means you have to reach to a place where you're not gonna see in most environments how to do this. And so it means you yourself have to have the knowledge. You yourself have to remember, or you yourself must know where to reach. And these are kind of the three big mistakes that Abram made. How many of you remember that, that thing or that person that I asked what would you sacrifice or what was most important? Okay? One, when he became scared, when he became fearful, instead of wanting to gain favor with God, he looked to those around him who could provide in the world and sought their favor instead of the Lord's. If you are seeing yourself do that, take note, look elsewhere. The second thing he did was, God was very explicit about what he was gonna do for Abram. Very explicit. Now, we may not know to the extent that Abram did what God is going to do. However, we do know that there are certain promises and certain things that he will keep simply because we're his children. Do not forget those unconditional promises. One of the things that fear tries to do 
is have you forget that aspect of who you are and of what God says he'll do. The third thing is, when we become fearful, we often change what's a priority or what's important to us. If you notice that you would change who you might protect if it was a person you thought about protecting, if you change, oh, I would never you know, lie on my tax form, but now I need the money to a bigger return so I can pay for this so it'll be okay because I'm not gonna get audited. If you find yourself doing those little things or being willing to cause pain to others when you would not normally have been, that is a decision made out of fear. That's not a decision made out of faith. Be sure that you know the difference. Now, those are all the things not to do. So I want to make sure that we also are specific about what are those things we need to do in order to practice walking in the will of God. Because these are also things that we saw Abram do. One, in a lot of the story, he did listen to God and do what he was supposed to. He built altars. He took time with him. He followed his directions. All those things that require discipline that don't necessarily come up as an alert on your phone, but we know are important. We've been taught are important. Or if we haven't yet, we're learning because these are things this community values. Be sure to do that. You've got to take that time. Listening to God requires time and quiet. You must relate to him. Make sure you're doing it. Take a little inventory this week. Write down how much time you spend on screens, how much time you spend on school, how much time you spend on sleep, and how much time you spend with God. And you may be surprised at those ratios. Once you're aware, you've got to do something about it. We've got to trust him. Your alarm goes off late. I've got to get to class. I don't have as much time in the morning. Well, I didn't pray this morning. I can let that go. Mm, I'm good. I'll make it to class. I'll shower after my first one. As we start making those types of decisions, we start forgetting to trust him and actually walk out what he tells us to do. As soon as we lean on our own understanding, instead of following what has been set forth for us, we start changing the direction those steps can take. So just keep them in line. You're running late. It may be two minutes this morning instead of the two hours you usually do. That's okay. You can come back to it. But still wake up and acknowledge him. Still wake up and thank him. Just don't skip it. And then a part of trusting him 
means you can't only trust them and say, yes, God, I know, I know, you know, kind of like you do with your parents. Don't go to, yeah, I know, I know, I won't do it. And then the next thing you do is you go and do it. You stay out past curfew for whatever reason. Or your parents tell you not to eat shellfish. Okay, well, I'm going out, everybody's eating shellfish. I eat shellfish. What happens? What my parents didn't tell me is we have a shellfish allergy that runs in our family and so they're trying to protect me. So now, instead of fitting in, I'm having to be rushed to the hospital. (laughs) The Lord gives us rules because he loves us. If we obey those rules, they're for our good. And the last thing that we need to do, and it just fits so well with the song that they picked this morning, is we have to worship the Lord. He deserves to be worshiped. Give him that time. Give him that praise. Do not put anything else before him. And if we're ever wondering, is it okay to do these things or will anything happen? I want to draw your attention to Luke 12. Not the whole chapter this time, just a few verses. And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye, the, if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like, like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubtful of mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So all these things that Abram was afraid of, that we fear, These are things in the world. God wants us to obey. He guides us. He promises things. Some we see in the world, but remember, he wants your heart. It's your soul. And you get the right to choose. You get the right to choose. And so as I invite Dr. Graham up, I want you all to keep in mind that it's never too late to change the direction of your steps. It can be scary, it can be hard. But if you know you've, act, you've turned and you're walking away, come on up, let someone pray with you. We want to help you walk that direction. We want to help you turn around. And some of you may not be wondering or 
having a struggle. Some of you may be outright sprinting the other direction. We want you to. Come on up. Tell the Lord you want to be in his will. Make that choice for the direction of those steps. Great job. Amen.